Welcome to the Miracle Channel podcast. Every week, you'll hear powerful messages from world-renowned pastors that air on Miracle Channel, Canada's 24-7 Christian TV station. And if you want to watch more of their messages anytime you want, check out our online streaming service, Corco Plus. Follow the link in our show notes to create a free account in three simple steps. Today on the podcast, you'll hear a message from Anthony Greco. Anthony and his wife, Madeline, shared the gospel in over 40 nations around the world before starting Calgary Life Church here in Canada. Together, their infectious love for people attracts men and women from all walks of life and nationalities, even the younger generations. Let's dive into the message. Well, today I'm talking about how to defeat discouragement. I want to begin by giving you the top 10 signs that you are fatigued or stressed out. Are you ready? Number one, you're so tired that you now answer the phone, leave me alone. Number two, you wake up to discover your bed is on fire, but you go right back to sleep because you just don't care. Number three, you got so much on your mind, you've forgotten how to chew. (laughs) Number four, you think about how relaxing it would be if you were in jail right now. Number five, this is our top 10 signs that you are stressed out or fatigued. Number five, you sit and stare out the window because watching TV is just too much work. Number six, the sun is too loud. Number seven, You wonder if brewing is really a necessary step in the consumption of coffee. Number eight, you ask the drive-thru attendant that that you can make your order to go. Number nine, you begin to talk to yourself. Then you disagree about the subject. And then you get into a nasty row over it. You lose it and you refuse to speak to yourself for the rest of the whole night. And number 10, the top 10 reason, the top 10 sign that you are fatigued or just stressed out is that relatives that have been dead for years come to visit you and suggest that maybe you might need a little bit of rest. Well, fatigue is something and discouragement that uh, is prevalent. That's what's pandemic these days is people's loss of hope and encouragement. And so today I want to talk to you about, you know, how to defeat discouragement. Are you discouraged? What does that mean? Well, the definition is it's a loss of confidence or enthusiasm. It's to, it's to lose spirit. Or if you look at the original Latin root of the word, it means to have heart. It's to lose it, to, to be discouraged is to lose heart. Listen to what the scripture says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 to 39. Therefore, don't cast away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance so that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise for yet a little while. And he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Oh, I love this. Says, Don't cast away your confidence. You have need of endurance. Keep doing the will of God and that you will receive the promise. There's a great reward. Church, come on. Let me just speak to your inner man. Let me speak to your heart today. Keep doing the will of God. It's not time to lose heart. It's not time to shrink back. It's not time to give up. It's time to look up because God is for you and he promised you he's going to see you through it and nothing can separate you from his love. Let's keep reading. Verse 38. Now the just shall live by faith. How are we going to get through this? By faith. And it says, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, 
but to those who believe to the saving of the soul. Come on, we're not going to shrink back. We're not going to shrivel up, but we are pressing into God's promises together as a community of faith, as the people of God, as a royal priesthood. That's who we really are, uh, everyone. So uh, let's just get right into the word and keep going. I want to tell you the story when, when the people of Israel were so discouraged, they wanted to give up. And it's found in the book of Nehemiah, which is in the Old Testament. The story takes place about four or five centuries before Christ. What had happened was that the uh, Jewish nation had been taken into captivity in Babylon for 70 years. The Persians came, came in and defeated Babylon, and the king had allowed Nehemiah to go back to Jerusalem. So he goes back to Jerusalem to investigate, to see what's happened. He sees that the walls have been broken down. The gates have been burned with fire. The city was vulnerable. Its defenses were down. It was surrounded by enemies. And you know, he goes back there with a plan to rebuild the walls. And maybe you feel like you've been tore down, that you're vulnerable, that your gates, you know, have been burned with fire and that your city is lying in ruin and you're wondering what's happened to your life and the landscape of what you're experiencing. You can identify with how Jerusalem was laid in ruins. They started to build the, the, the walls of Jerusalem. They were halfway through and discouragement sets in. You know, isn't that when discouragement usually sets in at the halfway point? Right? Nobody's, nobody's discouraged at the very beginning. No one is discouraged at the very end when the finish line is in sight. They get discouraged halfway through. They got fatigued. They were ready to quit. They were halfway there. They were making progress. And so that's why I want to talk to you today because discouragement wants to rob you. It wants to stop you. It wants to level you. So the Jewish nation, there were three factors that affected them. And that I believe are the same three factors that affect us today. Discouragement has three main roots. The first one is fatigue. In verse 10, it says that they, um, Judah said, the strength of the laborers is failing. The strength is failing. There's so much rubble, it said here, and they're not able to finish the wall. So the first thing was their strength was failing. There's no end in sight. Is this ever going to change? When you don't see light at the end of the tunnel, it's easy to get fatigued and lose your strength. But in the midst of fatigue, you have to learn how to replenish yourself. I was doing a study on bats and I discovered that bats can live for up to 20 years. And the reason they do that is because they live so long is that they have a way to uh, develop what they call deep relaxation. A bat's heart beats at 180 beats per minute, but it has the ability to calm itself down to lower that heart rate down to three beats a minute, from 180 to three beats. And it gets into this mode of deep rest. My friends, you have to learn to have deep rest. One of the things I'm discovering, it's, it's hard to keep schedules. What day is it today? It seems like everything is being, you know, thrown to the wind. Let me encourage you, have some structure in your life. Most importantly is make sure you're getting good sleep. Come on, somebody. In 1893, Frederick Taylor did the first scientific study of work habits in a street mill, proving that people accomplish more if they're rested up and if they have breaks. So it was because of his research that coffee breaks became part of the uh, modern uh, uh, schedule in our, in our workplaces today. But see, you've got to have rest. You've got to learn how to replenish yourself because uh, fatigue makes you vulnerable. You see, they, they were doing great, but when they got tired, they had, they had already built half that wall, half the wall they had built around an entire city, and they were ready to quit. Why? Because they got fatigued. 
Fatigue will make you vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 17 and 18. It says, remember what Amalek did to you on the way as you were coming out of Egypt, how he met you on the way and attacked your rear ranks, all the stragglers at your rear when you were tired and weary and he did not fear God. So what did the enemy do? And I'll tell you what, the enemy works the same way today. He's looking for the stragglers. He's looking for the ones that are lagging behind, the ones that are weary. The devil has no regard for innocence or ignorance. He, he wants to kick you when you are down. Listen, if you're watching me today, I so urge you, encourage you not to be a straggler, not to get so faint hearted that you're, you know, lagging at the back there, but get into community. Every week you hear me say this. Listen, the enemy is looking for people that are weary, that are wounded, that are weak. Why? Because he wants to take you out. There's a, you have an enemy of your soul and, uh, you know, he's the accuser of the brethren. And so when fatigue comes, you become vulnerable. That's why it's important. You need to be aware of that. The second thing that is the, one of the roots of discouragement, the first one being fatigue. Second one is frustration. Why do they want to quit? Well, one of the things they said is just there's too much rubble. There's too much garbage around here. You know, for me, I, I know how my mind works. I hate clutter, you know, and uh, uh, I don't know what my challenge is, what the diagnosis is, but I like to have my car clean before I preach. I like to have my desk clean when I leave the office. I like to have the dishes done in the, whatever dishes are in the sink, I want them in the dishwasher before I preach. I, for me to have clutter, it affects me. It, you know, a cluttered life is a sign of a cluttered mind. And, and here these uh, workers were getting frustrated because there was blocks and stones and rubbish and rubble everywhere. And it was just, you know, difficult to navigate. Maybe that's happening to you right now. You're working at home and there's Lego pieces on the stairs. And let me tell you, Lego is one of the most painful, stepping on Lego is one of the most painful experiences you will ever experience as a parent in the middle of the night. And you parents know what I'm talking about. Well, this is what was happening. Everything was getting cluttered. There was, everything was just overlapping and uh, creating just frustration. So when frustration comes in and maybe you're feeling frustrated today, there's so much uncertainty uh, in your work uh, uh, place and you know, your financial world, whatever it might be, or your home life, it just might be crazy now and things are piling up. My friend, that, is a, that, that can lead to discouragement. See, uh, frustration, fatigue, and the last one here is fear. They were being threatened continually by Sanballat and, you know, the, uh, the Ashdenites and, you know, the Arabs and everybody was uttering threats. And so that fear, when fatigue comes in, that fear began to take root on the inside of them. They were constantly hearing negative voices. I'm telling you, I've had just to turn off that news because I can't afford to allow all that negativity to strike fear in my heart. You know, I, I just, I, I have to protect my heart and my faith. And I'm going to tell you how to do that in just a couple of moments. Because I know the thoughts come. I, I've had the thoughts myself. What if someone in my family gets COVID? What if I die? What if someone close to me dies? What's the world going to look like when all this is over? You know, all of these things can weigh your mind and your heart down. My friend, these are the three things that we're trying to take the Israelite, Israelites out trying to get them to stop from finishing that incredible project that God had inspired them. And let me tell you, God, he's got, he's got more for you to do yet. 
He's uh, dreams and visions are the language of the Holy Spirit. He's got his hand on your life. You are a person of destiny. And this is our finest hour as a church. It's not time to shrink back in discouragement and get weary and faint in our mind. It's time to lay a hold of the promises of God, to believe God in the midst of this, this, this pandemic and to experience his faithfulness his love and his kindness. So those are the three roots, the three areas where uh, discouragement could come in. And so let me read you this, this scripture. It's found in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be sober. Oh, that's a good point right there. Uh, Pastor, are you talking about alcohol here right now? Well, yes, I am, no. But here, let me read the first verse. Let me get back to my point there. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, you see, they were in a battle. And let me, let me remind you, you and I, we are in a battle. It's, this is why I called it defeating discouragement, because you are in a battle. And it says, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion. Now, he's not a roaring lion. He's like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He can't just devour anyone, just who he may devour. Be sober. Be clear-minded is what the scripture is saying. And let me just say this, in this season right now, People are looking at all kinds of different coping mechanisms, but I want you to be careful about what coping mechanism you choose, that it doesn't enslave you, that it doesn't create regret or pain or conflict. You see, the Bible says, don't be drunk with wine, which is an excess, which leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen, let the Holy Spirit be your coping mechanism because he's your comforter. He's your counselor. He's your strengthener. Come on, somebody need to be pressing some of those heart buttons right now. Somebody needs to raise their hands and just give a, a, give a five second praise break. The Holy Spirit, Jesus said, he's with you. He'll be in you and he'll be with you forever. Come on, that's where your strength is. The danger with some of these coping mechanisms is, you know, uh, you know, don't be drunk with wine, which is excess and leads to debauchery. It's what it leads to. Does it lead to personal freedom? No. Does it lead to, uh, to sickness? Yes. So be careful what you choose as a coping mechanism. All right. Now, so those are the roots of where discouragement comes in. It comes in through fatigue. It comes in through frustration. It comes in through, through fear. Now, let me tell you how we combat this. All right. How do you rebuild your walls of protection? How do you rebuild those gates, determining what you allow in, keeping the enemy out and keeping the good stuff in? All right, gonna give you four points. Are you ready? Number one, first thing, here's what you need to recognize, that you are in a battle for your thoughts. Verse 13, it says, Therefore, I position men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings, and I set the people according to their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. They just weren't there with their trowel and with their building equipment and their utility belt. They were armed. They were ready for a fight. Let me encourage you. We are in a spiritual battle. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm going to give you some advice and give you some counsel from the Word of God on how to do spiritual warfare. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. You know that word strongholds in the Swedish Bible, it's uh, translated thought buildings. It's a building that's made out of thoughts, right? And what is a stronghold? I got saved in the 80s, and back then there was a lot of emphasis on spiritual warfare principalities and powers and, you know, and, and battling against principalities. And as more I've matured and walked with the Lord and studied the word, I realized the, the first territory of spiritual warfare isn't something over some temple or some sacred ground of some other religion, but 
real spiritual warfare happens right here, right between these ears. My friend, that is where spiritual warfare is. That's where the strongholds are. That's where the enemy wants to get a foothold. He wants to plant a seed of fear, of worry and anxiety. And listen, you know, the, the, the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. We're not using just human ingenuity, but we've got a supernatural weapon. How did Jesus defeat the devil? He said, it is written, it is written, it is written. He took the word of God. Let me tell you, the most incredible weapon you got right here, your spiritual weapon to demolishing strongholds, this right here, that tongue. Your tongue is powerful. And uh, let's keep reading the rest of this verse. Pulling down strongholds, casting down imaginations. What does the enemy want to do? He wants to build imaginations into your thought life, right? You know, it's some of the crazy thoughts that people are starting to think right now. And those imaginations, the devil just wants to whisper, you're going to be defeated. You're not going to make it. You're going to lose everything. Your business is going to fail. Your spouse is going to leave you. Your kids are all of these imaginations. My friend, you don't, you, you don't have to let those things take root. Don't let them nest in your hair. And the Bible says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. You know what? Don't let anything exalt itself bigger than God in your life. No matter what those imaginations are, let me tell you that God is more powerful. God is more loving. God is more nearer to you. God is caring. He's with you. Come on, my friend. Let me encourage you today. Don't let anything exalt itself against the knowledge of God. And then it says, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, let me, let me just tell you this. Uh, Carl Jung said this, until you make the unconscious conscious, you, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. You know, one of the things I've discovered is my emotions don't tell me the truth, but they truly tell me what I'm believing. Every emotion is connected to a belief. What you believe re releases an emotion. So if you're feeling powerless, for example, and helpless, you know, you know, when I feel a negative emotion, I take a moment. I've trained myself. I stop and I think. And then I just work back. And I thought, why am I feeling like that? What am I believing? Does that go against the knowledge of God? Is it trying to exalt itself greater than God's promises? Come on, it says, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. What does Jesus say about me? Well, the Bible says that, uh, you know, that, that the, the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in me. Come on, Paul prayed that you would know what is the exceeding greatness of his power that works in and for us that believe the same working of his mighty power that he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. I'm not powerless. You're not powerless. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And there's nothing greater than that power, my friend. So then I replace that wrong thinking that exalted itself, that, that's, that place where the enemy was trying to get a foothold, and I replace it with the Word of God, my friend. I tell you, all of a sudden there's peace and there's joy. That's why it says in Romans 8, 5, and 6, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds. They set their mind... They rest their mind on the things of the flesh. Come on. Those who live according to this natural world order, this limitation, this lack, this fear, this defeat. Those who live according to the defeat. Those who live according to discouragement. Set their minds on the things of discouragement. 
But those who live according to the Spirit, and it's inferred here, set their mind on the things of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, my friend, everything that God's thinking about you is a good thought. It's an overcoming thought. You're more than a conqueror. You are dearly prized and loved by God. For to be carnally minded is, to, is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And let me tell you, my friend, the Holy Spirit, He's been freely given to us to reveal to us the things that have been given to us freely by God. All right, we've got to move on. So that's the first point. Arm your, arm your mind for battle. Number two, take out the trash or you won't get no spending cash. Listen, take out the trash. What was it that was hindering the Jews? There was just so much rubble and garbage. It was hindering and just draining them of energy. So, you know, it's like that, you've seen those shows, you know, Hoarders Buried Alive, or what's the, what's the one gal uh, tidying up with Marie Kondo? You know, those shows are so popular because all of us have all kinds of rubble. If you haven't seen what kind of rubble, rubble late, wait till you move, and you'll see how much junk that you have, have uh, accumulated. First Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Listen to this verse. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober. There it is again. This is about your thinking. And rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you, the revelation of Jesus. My friend, a revelation of Jesus. Whew. Revelation of Jesus in you. Whew. Revelation of the grace, the fullness of grace that we have in Jesus. And, of his, and grace upon grace and of his fullness have we all received. Whew. When you rest in that, put your hope in that. I tell you, that's to be sober-minded. But here it says, gird up the loins of your mind. What does that mean? Well, back then they used to wear robes, right? And if you ever, you know, some of the ladies that, you know, tried to run in a dress, you know what I'm talking about, or guys in a bathrobe, you know, if you got that belt hanging down, you could trip. If you got all that clothing, you know, drooping down, it could trip you up. And so what did, what did uh, Peter say here? He said, gird up the loins of your mind. In other words, there can be some loose ends and there could be just some drooping, you know, attitudes that are just over your mind. And if you want to run your race, finish your race, you got to gird up the loins of your mind. You've got some unfinished business. Is there a relationship that is just, there's a, a conflict that's unresolved? Can I encourage you to do what the Bible says, do with all with the, what's in you, be at peace at, with all men. Make that phone call. Reach out to somebody today. Tie up the loose ends of broken relationships and, uh, you know, uh, gird up all that droopy misconceptions that can that can trip you up and start. You know, you've got to gird up the, you know, the, the loins of your mind. Take care of your thought life today. Learn what it is to meditate, you know, and uh, you say, oh, man, I don't know about meditation. Can I meditate? Well, you meditate every day when you worry. That's meditation. You know, when you eat a good steak, oh man, I don't just, you know, scarf that thing down. I like to chew it real slow and enjoy every bite. Come on, some of you carnivores know what I'm talking about, vegetarians. I'm, I apologize that I've just offended all of you. Pray for me, please pray for me. And, uh, you know, cows, what do they do? They, they eat that green grass, they sit down and they burp it up and they, they chew the cud, right? That food's going from one chamber of the stomach to another. They just keep chewing on it. What's that? That's meditation. It's just taking that same thought over and over and so to be sober-minded to clear up your mind there's no greater uh, tool that we can use than meditation that's why the bible never says to study itself to study the bible but it says to meditate so be mindful of the word of god of his promises for you number three we're almost done here feed your faith 
starve your doubts. In verse 12, it says, you know, they told us 10 times from whatever place you turn, they'll be upon you. Let me tell you, that fear, it just wants to rob you. And fear really is rooted in, in the law, the, when you lose the sense that you're in control. That fear comes in. And there's a lot of things that are just out of our control. And, uh, but let me tell you, it's not out of God's control. Listen to the scripture in 2 Timothy. And this will lead us right to our last point. Verse 5 to 7, it says, Paul writes to Timothy and he says, When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Isn't that interesting? So here's Timothy. who has got this incredible, incredible gifting on the inside of him. Historians tell us that his church was over 70,000 members. So this was no small church that he was in charge of. Somehow there might have been a lot of negative talk or maybe some threats from some, you know, persecutors. Or maybe he was being intimidated. And when that happened, that gifting that was on the inside of him, it seemed to lay low. And Paul said to him, I want you to stir up that gift that's on the inside of you, Timothy. God's not given us a spirit of fear. Fear wants to shut you down. It wants to limit you, wants to rob you of your creativity. Let me tell you, but God didn't give us a spirit of fear. I want to encourage you, spend time in meditation, hearing God's word. And the last thing is this, live with legacy in mind. What did he say in verse 14? What did Nehemiah say to the workers, to the nobles, to the leaders, to the rest of the people? He said, do not be afraid. Remember the Lord, great and awesome. Fight for your brethren, fight for your sons, fight for your daughters, fight for your wives, and fight for your house. What we're doing today and how we live today, it's about for the next generation. Come on, our ceiling is the next generation's floor. What do you want written on your, on your tombstone when all this is over? Well, I made all my payments. I would rather be something that I live for the purposes of God and I serve God's people. Church is so important to remember, that, hey, we still are the church. And uh, you know what? We still serve. We still meet. We still reach out. And that's what we do because we are his hands and we are his feet in, this, in the world today. The church doesn't have a mission. The mission has a church. We are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me finish this, with this verse here. You might be watching today. You might be, feel really discouraged. Maybe you just came across the site and you're just looking for answers. You're searching for reality and purpose. And let me tell you, you're God's idea. He's got a plan and a purpose for your life. The Bible says that before the foundations of the world, God was thinking about you. He designed you. He's got a plan for you. And it all begins first with Jesus. And so in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says, But God demonstrated His love towards us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that beautiful? Thanks for joining us today. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast to hear more messages from encouraging speakers that air on Miracle Channel and Corco. Rate this podcast and write a review if you haven't already. And share this message so others can be encouraged by this teaching too. We hope you were inspired by today's message. God bless.